Welcome to another edition of The Chat. I'm Katherine Glassby, Public Information Director for Chatham County. Today we're going to talk about hurricane preparedness and our hurricane season. But before we start on that, I just wanted to mention that we have been on a hiatus for a little while, but we are back now. If anybody that is watching our podcast would like to suggest a topic for the podcast, please give us an email or send us an email at uh, chathampio at chathamcounty.org. We're always interested in finding out what our residents and our listeners want to, to hear about in the Chatham County. And the chat is about everything in Chatham County. Um, so that, that could be anything from engineering to parks and recs to public works. And like today, SEMA, our Chatham Emergency Management Agency. And joining us today is Chelsea Sawyer, the outreach coordinator. She has this list of things behind her name that I can never remember all of them, um, but we'll let her introduce herself in just a moment. And Sakili Johnson, who is the, one of the newest VISTAs, and we'll talk about that in a second, what that is. Also joining me from my team here at Public Information is Abby Murphy, our Public Information Assistant, and Robert Catanese, our Video Production Assistant. Um, so thank you guys for all being here today. I'm really looking forward to, to getting informed about hurricane season 2021 and knock on wood over here. We're not going to have to activate. We're not going to have to do anything for hurricane season other than just be uh, vigilant and observe. But Abby, I know you have a pressing question. Well, so um, thanks again for joining us today. And um, can you just tell us a little bit about, I know hurricane season started uh, June 1st. So what are some things that people need to do to kind of get prepared? What are people needing to, to start thinking about? Yeah, so I, if I can, I'd love to jump in um, and answer Abby's question. As Catherine said, I'm Chelsea Sawyer. I do work for SEMA. I've been here almost five years. This is my fifth hurricane season along with Catherine. We're excited, I think we can say excited or not, I'm not sure, um, about our fifth hurricane season. Do what? Is it prepared is a better way. We're prepared. Yeah. Taking us five prepared. prepared, but we're prepared. Yeah, we're prepared, we're, we're ready. We just don't want anything to happen, so. Uh, but things that we want our residents to know right here in Chatham County, uh, we always narrow it down to about three things. One, we want people to stay informed. And I'd love to talk about some new systems that SEMA has in place of how residents can stay informed. Two, we want people to have an emergency kit ready to go. And we can talk about some of the contents that we recommend that our residents include in those kits. And then we want people to build an emergency plan, especially when it comes to hurricanes. We want people to go ahead and start having that conversations with their friends and family what do they need to do? When do they need to do it? And how are they going to get where they need to go if an evacuation is called right here in our community? Excellent. Um, Sakili, why don't you introduce yourself? I would love to. So good morning, everyone. My name is Sakili Johnson. I am a VISTA, which stands for Volunteers in Service to AmeriCorps. That, uh, in a service to America, it's a program through AmeriCorps. So if you've never heard of AmeriCorps, AmeriCorps is kind of like the in-house version of the Peace Corps. And uh, currently me and another member of the VISTA program are here working at SEMA to help get Chatham County prepared for all kinds of disasters. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today. I know you've only been here for a couple of weeks with us, but we've worked with you on a couple of different things and you are just like hitting it like this. So Thank you very much. 
Um, and feel free to, to jump in um, at any time during this conversation. Like I said before, this is a pretty informal podcast. Um, so anyone from my team or Chelsea or Sakili, when you have something to add, just jump in. If we're forgetting something that you feel is really important, you know, add that as well. Um, so Chelsea, I guess I'll, I'll start with you. Um, tell me, what, what are we actually expecting this season? I know that experts make predictions all the time. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I, I would love to. So in April of every year, the Colorado State University, now why Colorado, I really don't have a clue, why Colorado are considered the experts in hurricanes when they are landlocked, um, but Colorado State University is who puts out uh, the first hurricane season prediction for each year. And over the last five or six years, they've been eerily accurate with the exception of 2020, and they called an above active season or above average season, but it really just blew everybody out of the water with how incredibly active 2020 was. But I think that that's just because it was 2020. I think we're just going to have to go with that. But what we're expecting this year is another above average hurricane season. They're anticipating 17 named storms. Now, when we talk about named storms, that means... Um, you know, every year they have a list of, of names that are going to go out for storms. We've already had two, possibly into three, and we're anticipating about 17 of those. Of those 17 named storms, they're saying eight of them have the potential to turn into hurricanes. Now, when they say hurricanes, that's anywhere from category one to category five, and they're not saying anywhere about where they're going to go, just that there's likely to be eight in the Atlantic basin. Of those eight hurricanes, they're projecting four of them to turn into major hurricanes, which is that category three or higher. Now, we always talk about the predictions for the hurricane season, but that's important to the emergency management office and not as important to maybe our listeners or to our residents here in the community, because what we really want to, to stress is that it only takes one. It only takes one storm to completely wreak havoc on our community and to completely devastate our community. So please keep in mind, yes, it's an above average season. That means that you're going to be hearing from SEMA a lot, but that doesn't necessarily mean that eh, you don't need to pay attention. It only takes one storm. You know, Chelsea, um, it's such a pleasure to work next to professionals like you guys. You guys stay busy pretty much year round, but you kind of ramp up this time of year with awareness and public information. Um, what, if anything, has changed from your perspective, SEMA's perspective, you know, as we kind of come out of, you know, the COVID, we're, we're kind of coming on the back end of that. What, if anything, has changed from a SEMA perspective in preparation for this year's hurricane season? So, you know, that's, that's a really excellent question, Robert. Some things have changed and some things have stayed the same. One, I'm incredibly grateful that we did not have a hurricane evacuation in the midst of COVID last year. You know, with new guidance coming from the CDC, with mask wearing and, and certain requirements, it's, it's definitely a lot more hopeful if we would have to issue an evacuation order this year, that it's not going to be as challenging. You know, every hurricane evacuation is difficult in its own right because it's a hurricane evacuation, but having those additional protocols in place because of COVID, you know, masking and extreme social distancing, you know, that 
adds some complexities. So what we plan on doing, especially when it comes to COVID, is we're going to follow CDC guidance and we're going to follow what the Chatham County has in place at that time. So if there is a mask mandate in place or if there is any social distancing requirements, we're gonna match what the, the Chatham County Chairman and Commission put in place. And more, you know, also importantly, we're gonna match what Governor Kemp has in place. But that's really the biggest changes that we've seen from this year to last year. And, you know, hopefully it will just continue to progress into more normalcy as we get further into the season. Awesome. So you were mentioning evacuations and how it only takes one storm. So it's super important to just make sure that you're prepared and hopefully that preparation ends up being for no hurricanes. But um, can you explain to our listeners, what are some good ways to prepare um, for this hurricane season? Sakili, do you wanna try to take a stab at that one? I would love to. Awesome. So one of the things that we recommend to do to get prepared is to build up both your uh, family emergency plan, get yourself an emergency kit and also begin to think about what kind of routes you're going to be taking and how you're going to evacuate if it comes down to an evacuation order or a mandatory evacuation order. So think about your transportation for when it's time to leave and where you will go if it is. And now's also a great time to start checking in with your insurance provider about how you're protecting your home for things like flooding and making sure if there's like anything like a name storm clause within your insurance. Uh, I know nobody wants to think about potential property damage, but let's think about it now instead of later. And then hopefully the information will be useless to us. Uh, I always like to also add when you're making your emergency plan, uh, include your pets in the emergency plan and practice it when you can. Um, I have a cat. Uh, he finds uh, just evacuation very stressful. He also really doesn't like being in the car. So if you know you have a very anxious animal and you know when the time comes to evacuate that it's gonna be a little bit problematic or very stressful for them, make sure you consider things like uh, treats or catnip, or I guess if it comes down to it, veterinary prescribed sedatives and drug the cat so that they're knocked out during that very potentially long car ride. And um, think about phone numbers as well. You may not have all of your phone, all your family members' phone numbers memorized. I know I certainly don't. So I rely on my phone a lot. So make sure everybody who's in your personal support network or who's evacuating together, you know, has a list of those phone numbers and so that they can call you uh, whenever necessary. And when you're building your emergency kit, think about three days of supplies. So whatever you would need for like three days, that's generally a good recommendation. Think about medication, extra charging devices, food, water, and comfort items. Remember, it's your emergency kit and it can be catered to your needs. Wonderful. Yeah, I, I know I definitely came in handy. It was um, Matthew. I was very grateful for those backup battery um, supplies because, uh, you know, that's really all I had was my phone and, um so it was good to just have that, to keep that up and running and it provided a form of entertainment as well. I know uh, Sakili and, and Chelsea, we end up having to stay during a storm, but we have to send our families away. Um, and so one of the things that we've done in our family is we have, we have a checklist of everything that my husband is going to need to take, um, what he's gonna need for our animals. He is responsible for taking all of our animals when he goes. He's also responsible for taking my mom um, and making sure that she's settled wherever they go. 
And we kind of, we, we've taken our, our plan a little bit further and depending on which way the storm is coming, I have several different options of hotels already picked out for them. Um, so that when we get the first inkling that it's gonna come our way and we may have to have them go, I can go ahead and call and make them reservations. Um, and so that's something that somebody might wanna think about because it, as it gets closer and closer to our evacuation schedule, it's gonna be harder and harder to find a place to go to. And you gotta remember that more than likely either South Carolina or Florida um, is already evacuating um, by the time we begin to evacuate. So those, if it's coming from Florida, those people are, are coming north um, and they're taking a lot of those hotel rooms that then our people are going to, in that next phase of evacuation, are going to take. Chelsea, we've seen that numerous times, haven't we? We have. You know, Dennis and I were just at a, a meeting a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about the exact same thing. Most storms that are going to we're going to issue an evacuation order for are going to come up through Florida in some capacity. It's just by nature of, of the United States geography. You know, storms are going to come up through that way. So as they're going to evacuate residents in the state of Florida, they're going to come up. They're going to hit I-95 and 16 and start to head west so they're no longer along the coast. So being smart like Catherine and her family and identifying places that you can go and having those that contact information already readily available, it's going to be extremely helpful. You know, we do often hear rumors that start to spur of hotels are required to accept animals during a, a mandatory evacuation just want to dispel that out right now. That's not true. Um, a lot of hotels will start to lax some of those requirements. Even national chains will start to do the same thing, uh, but recognize that it's not illegal for them to deny you if you have an animal with you. That makes it a little bit more challenging, but there are fantastic websites available like bringfido.com that will tell you all pet-friendly hotels, even pet-friendly restaurants and stores and places that you can go. So maybe that's something that you think about. It allows you to type in a destination and it will give you point A to point B, all of the different pet-friendly hotels and stores and places that you can go along your, your, your route as well. So if you need to stop somewhere or you wanna stop overnight, those are some options for you. What was that website again? Sure, it's bringfido, F-I-D-O.com. All right. Um, I actually haven't heard of that one. I've seen some other ones, but mm -hmm. I will put that in my memory bank. Um, <laughs> we often travel with our animals, so that's that's a really good thing. Now, um, let's um, let's talk a little bit about what happens when that emergency evacuation call comes for here, um, and and what kind of what is that process, Chelsea or Sakili, um, either one of you, of of what what happens when we say, okay, it's time to start evacuating zone A or zone B or, or C or all of the above. So I think let's, let's back up and talk about how we get to that step, if that's okay. Um, SEMA operates in what's called operating conditions, or as we lovingly call them in every acronym ever, OPCONS, because we can't just call things as they are in emergency management. Like we can't be Chatham Emergency Management Agency. We have to be SEMA. So we have to always have some type of acronym, but we call them OPCONS. And you'll, you might hear those. You might hear Catherine and her team start spouting them out in press releases, and you might see those on Facebook Live. So I wanna just be transparent. They're, they're operating conditions. So it's, it's, it's our timeline for how we make these determinations and we get to those evacuation orders. 
Now that we're in hurricane season, we stay in operating condition five. And that just means that we are actively monitoring the tropics and we know what's going on. We move into operating condition four when any potential impacts are about 120 hours out. So we're at five days, we're, we're plenty of time out and we are starting to have these conversations. We call it enhanced monitoring. So we go from just one person that's actively monitoring 24 seven to maybe we grab two or three people and we're like, hey, what are some potential impacts? As we get into operating condition three, that's when you know the storm, tropical storm force winds are about 72 hours out. So we're starting to advance a little bit more and we're saying, hmm, there might be some potential impacts to our community. Let's, it, let's advance this a little bit further. That's when we start moving things. So that's when we start having those conversations with the Georgia Department of Transportation. And we start saying, hey, we might, we might need to look at sheltering. We, we might need to be looking at some hurricane evacuations. When we reach operating condition two, that's when we start moving people. So that's when you're going to be hearing evacuation information. That's when we're going to start pushing out. You need to leave at this time. This is when the storm's likely going to be impacting our area. And these are the types of impacts that we're going to see. As we get into operating condition one, we're about 24 hours out. That means that, you know, Catherine and Abby, Roberts, Keely and I, we're all hunkered down and we're ready to ride out the storm, whether it's within our uh, emergency operations center downtown or if we had our annex EOC guys if it's bad enough we're also moving out of the area as well and we're going to be heading to an undisclosed location in Statesboro Georgia um, but we're going to be making sure that we're out of harm's way as well so that kind of explains a little bit of that process of how we get from point A to point B and issuing those evacuation orders so that's like some context there um, if an evacuation order is issued that means that, well, there's two things, evacuation order and mandatory evacuation order. There's an evacuation order that is a general statement by the, Ch the Chatham County Commission and the chairman saying that we're urging and encouraging you to evacuate the target area. If we hit mandatory evacuation order, personal discretion isn't an option anymore. Anybody in that target area is required to evacuate. Like I said, personal discretion is not an option at that point. That was a whole lot of information, Catherine, but well, I hope that it explains it. Good information because sometimes people do get kind of confused on everything. Mm -hmm. I know that even though I've been doing this for five years now, those opcons kind of get a little, um, I, I know what they are. I know what we do in each one, but sometimes they get a little intimidating. And I think you gave a really good explanation of what they are so that they aren't intimidating to people. Because, you know, I, we, we happen to, do a throwback movie night the other day and we, we watched uh, war games and you know it was DEFCON. DEFCON. Yeah. I feel like OpCon is kind of that same way but it really doesn't have to have that connotation to it um, but people kind of equate the two together um, so I think you did a, a great job of explaining that. So let, let's talk about the actual process. We, we've, we've gone to OpCon to we're evacuating the county. What's going to happen for people now? So there are a couple of different ways. One, people that can evacuate themselves, when we issue an evacuation order, we really suggest that you just evacuate as quickly as you can and get to a safe destination. For people that don't have the resources to be able to evacuate themselves, we have something called the evacuation assembly area and the hurricane registry for those with functional access and medical needs. Akili, do you mind covering those and giving us a little bit of background about those? 
Sure. So uh, as Chelsea mentioned, uh, if you don't have the resources to evacuate or you know somebody who doesn't, uh, during a mandatory evacuation order, all of our green uh, cat buses will take people to the Savannah Civic Center, which is our EAA, and people will register there and be transported to an inland shelter from there. And you can also bring your pets. They will not be uh, evacuated to the same shelter as you, but they'll also be taken to a safe uh, inland shelter for animals. Uh, if you know somebody or if you have uh, functional access or medical needs, which means you would need assistance uh, um, living in a shelter or um, medical assistance from trained medical staff while living in a shelter, um, you can sign up for the hurricane registry. And I would do that now or encourage your loved ones to do that now because um, you don't want to start doing it when there's actually a hurricane because the people who administer the hurricane registry need time to help to plan for those individuals to evacuate. You know, that's something that they have to set up in advance. So to sign up for the hurricane registry, there is a number that you can call. And that number is 1-833-CHD-REGISTER. And there's also a link to a website to apply on the SEMA um, website. And uh, those individuals can definitely apply and get assistance on evacuating with their unique needs to a very safe shelter. Um, well, quick question, Chelsea. Um, you were talking about the mandatory evacuation. And um, I've been told that with mandatory evacuations, if you decide to stay, your life insurance is, you would not be covered essentially. Is that correct? You know, so that is actually something that not many people think about. So fantastic question, Abby, and thank you for bringing that up. When there is a mandatory evacuation order, some insurance companies may choose to avoid life insurance policies if people do not heed those evacuation warnings. And that's pretty scary to think about. You pay into this policy for many years, some of them whole life, even some term life, um, you pay for a very long time. It's something that I've looked into myself and that would be pretty devastating for your family if you were to stay behind and lose that life insurance policy if something did happen to you, that would put your family in a really tough situation. So it is true. I have seen it um, personally with someone that did um, have the misfortune to perish during Hurricane Matthew within our community. And, and I hope that it's something, you know, if that's what it takes to get our residents to evacuate, I hope that they listen to that. But I also hope that they just think a little bit, you know, there's nothing in your home that's more valuable than you. So I would hope that you would heed evacuation warnings, recognizing that there is a threat to life and property, which is why those evacuation orders exist. Um, so Chelsea, let's talk about some of the new technologies that you guys have. Yeah, yeah I would love to. We have a brand new text message and communication system. Now, this wasn't because there was something wrong with the old one. The system that we used previously was bought out. Uh, so we upgraded, as I like to say, to a new Rave Alert system. Now, it's a countywide system. So the city of Savannah used it. Chatham County departments use it, including mosquito control. So there's lots of different ways and reasons that you may want to sign up. But SEMA Alert is one of those county departments that uses Rave Alert very frequently. We call them SEMA Alerts. Uh, because 
you know, we have to have our own thing. It's awesome that way. Um, we have two different ways that you can register for those SEMA alerts. One is a more preferred method, and then one is what we call a fast follow method. If you want to sign up and see all the different alerts that exist throughout the community, throughout the city of Savannah and Chatham County, you can head to the county's website or you can head to SEMA's website, which is chathamemergency.org, and click on the top right-hand corner that says SEMA alert. That's going to take you to a landing page that allows you to create a username and password and give all sorts of information of how you would like to stay informed. That would allow you to sign up for text messages, phone calls, and emails. Now, this fast follow feature is just for SEMA alerts. It would not give you the option to sign up for any of those other alerting methods. Uh, it's only for text messages, but if you text SEMA or C-E-M-A to the number 77295, you'll be automatically added to that text message distribution list, and that makes it super easy. So if you're listening to this, not right when we recorded it, but maybe right before a storm, that's a really great way for you to get the most up-to-date and accurate information, and then, you know, you can choose to continue to follow us after the storm to get emergency notifications throughout the year. Awesome. And, and I know Robert and Chelsea and Abby all worked on a video uh, together about this. So if you think, you know, after this, okay, well, I need to go sign up for these alerts, but I don't really remember how she said to do it. It's all right there in the video for you. Um, all you have to do is play that and it will take you right through all this, the sequences. And it's very easy to sign up. So um, I think those are, are good things. Um, Chelsea, we also, during a storm, have a website that is like all things disaster. Um, can you tell us about that? Oh my goodness, I would love to. So COVID did not bring a lot of fantastic things, but one thing that it did was it allowed us, <laughs> it allowed us to finally get to the point where we could create this disaster website. This is something that Catherine and I have been really hoping for since Matthew. Yeah. Um, we recognized that there was a challenge with our residents of going from one government site to another government site to then going you know, to the health department and back. Um, we really wanted to find a way where we could have one central location where every other piece of information can be housed. And that happened during COVID. Um, so it's ready.chathamcountyga.gov. I'll say it again, ready.chathamcountyga.gov. And it's a fantastic site that's going to link you and, and keep you up to date on all the different municipalities. So City of Savannah and Port Wentworth and Bloomingdale, all of them have information that's housed in that site or it will link you to the correct part of their website for up-to-date information during a disaster situation. Also connecting with the important partners during that. And it's gonna depend on where we are in that storm. If we start to move into disaster recovery, we're gonna have, excuse me, we're gonna have information on shelters. We're gonna have information on feeding. We're gonna keep that up to date so that you're not going from one website to another to try to find what's going on in our community, both before, during, and after a disaster. You know, Chelsea, it sounds like you all put so much effort and time into really educating the public now so that it's easier to get information. You know, hopefully we don't have to use that. But, you know, how important is taking action now so that you are in the know 
you know, a month from now or two months from now when, you know, we're, we're looking down the barrel of a storm. Or six years from now, Robert. Like we, yes. we can put that out there too. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's really important to understand what to expect now, because if you start to plan for it, if you practice it, if you get ready for this idea of a storm coming and what you need to do, it's going to be less scary and it's going to be less intimidating. You know, if you are used to having these conversations with your friends and family about what an evacuation looks like and where you will go, that's going to be less difficult if you have, if we are staring down the barrel of a storm heading our way, or we hear the term evacuation, that's not going to cause panic. It's still going to be a little frightening to think about leaving your home. But if you have your list, like Catherine and her family have, if you have these enormous emergency kits, like my husband has created, if you have put thought into it, it's going to be that much easier for you to be able to understand what needs to happen, when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen. You know, and even when we move into disaster recovery after a storm has happened, understanding some of these processes that exist or what may come down the pipeline is going to be huge. You, so if we get a presidential disaster declaration, I know that sounds like a very fancy word. If FEMA comes is essentially what we're trying to say. Um, if FEMA comes, you only have a short period of time to apply for assistance, to be prepared for that. Otherwise, you're going to completely miss out. So we teach and we spend a lot of time talking about what to do to prepare, what to do during that storm. And then now we're starting to transition into what you do after a storm, too, right. um, so that you are that much more resilient and that much more prepared for all of the different phases of an emergency. I don't think that SEMA as an agency really understood or, or wanted to talk about what to do after a disaster beforehand and tell Matthew. And, and we realized that so many people had no clue. And some people missed out on a lot of opportunities to receive assistance because they didn't know where to look for that information. So we're seeing a lot of transformations within our own agency over the last couple of years to make sure that our residents are prepared for the whole spectrum. And I think it's important to, to point out, Chelsea, you brought up something great there, and that's how SEMA has adapted after Matthew. Prior to Matthew, I mean, we'd had a few tropical storms here and there, but it was, you know, basically um, a little bit of rain, a little bit of wind, nothing, nothing major. The 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 closest storm um, before Matthew was in 1979 when Hurricane David hit, and Hurricane David was, I think, over the years, it's been upgraded to a hurricane like a, a, a Cat One. Um, but at the time when I, you know, I lived through, um, yes, I just dated myself. I lived through uh, Hurricane David and uh, I spent my entire time in a little yellow rubber raft because I was only like three. Um, but, but it wasn't super scary or anything like that. There wasn't lots of flooding. Uh, there was some, but it wasn't anything we experienced more during Matthew um, than we did during, during David. So 37 years passed and we hadn't had much of anything. And, and Matthew comes and really it was a cat one on like Tybee, but every place else in the county, it was a tropical storm, but look how much damage it did to us. We have such a unique tree canopy here um, that hadn't been pruned in a long time. Uh, we had waterways that while we keep them clear, it was just the way that the storm was coming in. 
Um, and really it just skirted us, but the way that it came, the path that it took, we got a lot of water from it. Um, those things, you know, we learned so much during that storm. Most of us had not worked a disaster like that uh, in our careers. We just, we weren't that far along in our careers. And so it really has been a learning curve for us. And with each storm, we've learned something new and we've added and added and added to, to our plans and how we react to things to really become the, the agency in the county uh, that we are today that is much more prepared um, and ready to help our residents both on the front end and the back end. Um, and I know you and I have talked about this. We, we both kind of started at the same time. I've been here a little bit longer than you, but Matthew was our first activation together. Um, you were here for like an all of like a week and a half when Matthew hit us. Um, so, you know, we, we've really, we've kind of grown out our public information um, plans and our social media plans together. And we have come such a long way. Um, and then, you know, we have a storm like Dorian. Um, and 2019, that was just the storm that wouldn't go away. Um, and I think we stayed in OpCon 4 and maybe even OpCon 3 for days on end. And people were just kind of getting fatigued with that. But we had to figure out how to keep our residents engaged. And I think that we've done a good job of adapting to that. Um, so my hat's off to, to SEMA and the county for being able to, to do that over the years. That yeah, being said, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, and our residents too, you know, they yeah. have continued to grow and change and adapt. And I feel like when I first started, I went to a couple of outreach events and, you know, this idea of hurricane preparedness, people just kind of stared at me. They're like, what, why are you talking about this? We haven't had anything. When I first moved here five and a half years ago, people were like, no, like the way Georgia's, you know, positioned on the coast we're never going to have a hurricane. And like, I was fully convinced that was true. Uh, so please listeners recognize that is not true. Uh, there have been many storms that have impacted the state of Georgia directly going back several hundred years. But I mean, I, I really don't want to find out and see a direct hit and, you know, wait out a storm just to see if maybe it won't, it won't happen. To me, it's, it's just more important to to get on out and just be away from all of it. Absolutely, you know, if, if, I, I tell my family this all the time. Um, if, if SEMA and the county tell you you need to leave, we're not telling you that just for the sake of telling you that because it's way too much work on our end. If we're telling you that, you need to go. Um, and, you know, I have these conversations with my, my family all the time and with my friends because they're like, well, you know, you guys have told us to go a couple times and then it's been nothing. And, and they cite Dorian most often. And I'm like, yeah, but when we told you to go, that storm was a cat five and it was headed straight for us. Yes, we got lucky. It changed course. It didn't turn when they thought it was going to turn. That turned out great for us, not so much for the people that were a little bit west of us. Um, so or was it east? I can't remember which way it passed, but it, it, it was, it was for the people that ended up in the path, it was not as great as it, as it could have been. So we got very lucky, but again, we aren't telling you to leave because we want to go through this. I think people seem to think that this is fun for us. And we're like, oh, we get to go do this. No, this is not, this is, this is a lot of work. It's a lot of stress. We do it because it needs to be done. Um, and, and I know Chelsea, you guys are, 
feel the same way. Absolutely. Well, and you have to think about how much work it goes into to making this possible. I mean, to shut down the ports and that's a huge moneymaker for our community. And that's, I mean, you talk about shutting down the ports and turning away ships. That's millions of dollars that are just being lost. I mean, there's a lot that goes into making those determinations and they're not made lightly. You know, we don't shut down our county facilities, shut down our ports, shut down our area for business without doing the, our due diligence to make sure that it's absolutely necessary for our residents. We're always gonna look at the safety of our residents first and then using that and keeping that in the front of our minds, we're gonna make the decisions for what is most important and how we can get people out safely. Absolutely. Well, I know our time is winding down, so I wanna go through some final thoughts here. So I'm gonna start, I'm gonna go across the screen as I see it. Um, Abby, final thoughts. Um, I just think it's really important for people to be prepared because when Matthew came, I remember thinking, oh no, I have no idea what to do. So don't put yourself in that position. Definitely walk through the steps of things that you need every day. Things that, you know, think about maybe electricity. May, when you return, there may not be electricity for a while. There could be a water boil advisory. So maybe have some extra water in some jugs around the house or something. So just kind of walk through those steps um, and think about what you would need. Chelsea, final thoughts. Yeah, one thing that we've seen over the last couple of years um, are Facebook meteorologists, uh, people that have just kind of popped up uh, that try to push out information um, that may not be the most helpful or accurate. Um, so make sure that when you're, it, you, SEMA may not be the place that you want to receive your information, that's okay. Um, everybody's different and we, we respect that. Find who gives you the most up-to-date, timely and accurate information and stick with them, but make sure that it is timely and accurate and you're not getting something that might put you in a, in a particularly dangerous situation. So the National Hurricane Center, the experts, that's where we get our information from. If you don't wanna hear it from us, go, go to their website, go to the National Weather Service website directly, but recognize that they are the experts and some of these other models that might exist from other countries or other places aren't you know, the most up-to-date and accurate information. So just another tidbit or piece of advice. Awesome, Sakili. Uh, my final piece of advice is to go ahead and start practicing your emergency plan or even evacuation plan now. Um, and when you can practice it with the, all the people who are involved in it and, you know, your pets, if they're involved in it as well now, um, because it's always going to feel different when there's actually an emergency. So it's better to go ahead and practice it now while you're calm and your brain is still functioning so that when the emergency or weather disaster actually arrives, you are cool, calm and collected and everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. Robert. Well, Chelsea, I'm with you. Five years ago, I moved here from Florida and said, you know what, we're not gonna get any storms. They haven't gotten any storms. And I've been accused of bringing the storms to Georgia, but yes, I it's think your fault. it is it's my your fault. fault then. It is. Um, I I guess, you know, the, the, the takeaway here is, you know, you guys from SEMA and the county, you know, us, we've really tried to make it as easy as possible for residents 
to get information, to take action and, and stay in the know. And whether it be the website, whether it be, you know, the, the alert system, it's there for you and it's easy to access and it could potentially save your life. So, you know, as Sakili said, you know, prepare now so it's not a big shocker if you do have to jump into action. All right, and I think final thoughts for me are just um, some of those things that everybody needs to remember to get resources. You can go to uh, SEMA's website um, and during a disaster, go to the ready.chathamga.gov. Say it right. I always get it wrong when I say it. <laughs> yeah, it's ready.chathamcountyga.gov. You'd think I'd know that. I was part of the creation of that. Um, but for some reason, it just does not roll off my tongue. Um, but if you need to know about um, how to prepare your kit, uh, how to make a plan, all that can be found on SEMA's website. Um, and then also during the disaster, that ready, um, chat, ready .chatham County GA gov. I got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and then I think the, the, the last final thought that, uh, that I'm going to have is that I'm not going on vacation this year during hurricane season. So you're all okay. We're going to be all, we're going to be fine. There's not going to be, um, so my vacation doesn't happen until December this year. So we're good. We're good. Uh, I, I want to thank everybody for, for being with us today and talking about hurricane season. We'll probably do this again, maybe through. Um, maybe into August, because uh, that tends to, to lead up to our, our peak time. Um, so maybe we'll, we'll do this again if uh, Chelsea and Sakili have time. And just thank everybody for being here. Join us again next time um, for another wonderful uh, chat about what's going on in Chatham County. So have a great day, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.